Hey, all my IFG friends, this is Steve. I want to say, you know, if you like movies like I do, we've started a new podcast called Happy Hour Flicks. Uh, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. It's all about nostalgic movies that we love, and we bring on special guests each episode, and we also have specialty cocktails made for each one, too. So it really is an hour of a good time talking about movies that we love, like Gremlins, uh, Seven, uh, Free Willy. Uh, we talk about The Last Starfighter also. So, I mean, we kind of run the gamut across all the decades and really have a great time. So I wanted to invite you to come over and join us at Happy Hour Flicks, anywhere podcasts are found. You're never going to be able to find the quiet spot with those kids because they're, they're so famous. Everyone wants to be around them. And then they never want to put on a lav mic just from the like, I'm wearing a wire. What are you guys, the feds? Like, that's still like a thing. This is the, the independent, independent, independent filmmaker's guide from Framework Productions. Framework, Framework Productions. On IFG, we talk about independent film from development through delivery. By featuring discussions with creators and collaborators about their experiences, we form a roadmap to help you have the most success with your projects. Creating a story for your future film sometimes develops along the way. That is certainly often the case when filming a documentary. We speak with this filmmaker about the importance of having access to the talent, staying authentic when representing them, and digging in on long edits while creating his documentary feature, American Rap Star. I really believe, especially with the like ADD attention spans people have right now, the first 20, 30 minutes of any feature length film really has to hit and really draw you in. That's Justin Staple director of the documentary feature film, American Rap Star. I've been working on it since around 2018. I'm your host, Stephen Pierce. I had uh, done 21 episodes of the show, The Therapist on Viceland. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but in that I kind of saw how we could talk about social issues affecting young people and minorities and all people in the States through the lens of musical artists especially rappers, because kind of rap music is kind of the new pop music these days. And um, I hit kind of a stride in The Therapist of talking about issues like gun violence, uh, mass incarceration, the opioid epidemic, and just realized how much stress and how much PTSD and how much general anxiety was flooding young people in the States right now. And at the same time, this young group of kids were bubbling up out of the SoundCloud scene, kind of called SoundCloud rap at that time, who were breaking all the rules and looking super scary for the adults in the room with their face tats and their colored hair and their blatant drug use and their pill popping. And I uh, thought that scene was really exciting from the jump. I had never really seen anything like that. And it was starting to break into mainstream culture and also garner huge label deals, which I always pay attention to. A lot of these kids are getting signed for one, two, three, four million dollars to the major labels. And I just started, you know, meeting a lot of them, whether it was XXXTentacion or Bad Baby or Lil Pump and filming the whole time as I was uh, hanging out with them, not really knowing what I was going to do with it. Uh, originally, I had seen Defiant Ones and wanted to make kind of like a mini series Defiant Ones for SoundCloud rap that was kind of talking about two things, the streaming revolution in the music industry, which we talk about in the film a little bit, how 
the emergence of Spotify and Apple Music has really reinvigorated a music industry that was on the down after CD sales plummeted. And the other thing was how these kids were making it out of the slums of North South Florida and through drug addiction and making it to become real celebrities. So you started with the artists. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, um, you know, maybe the earliest shoot is what, where you see little Zan, um, in the car and showing me the pills and taking me to Redlands in California. That was like as early as 2017. Um, I hosted a, if you know, beats one radio on Apple music, I hosted a show for them for about 230 episodes and through that interviewed hundreds and hundreds of rappers. Um, and you know, at the time it's, it's, it's hard to imagine now, but at the time people like Lil Xan and Lil Pump were actually some of the biggest rappers out. <laughs> and, uh, so it was just made sense for me to spend time with them and build that Verite footage out. You started this in 2017, 2018 even. So how, talk the overall timeline. How much did you shoot and when did you decide, all right, now's the time to start cutting this? A lot happened while I was shooting. We had X get murdered in broad daylight in Broward. We had Lil Peep overdose on his tour bus. These, these were friends of mine and these were you know people I was collaborating with. So a lot was happening. It was a very fluid timeline, but... um the you know after i got the caramanica interview i decided that this was festival ready i've been doing feature length documentaries for like you know 5 6 years and go to sundance every year been to south by the last 5 6 years and decided this was i was going to go the festival route with this one and so we took that sundance deadline that was um if you get the extended deadline it's closer to late september early october of I guess that would have been last That'd year, be 2019, right? Right. So just last year. And I decided, you know, that is when I was going to finish the fine cut. Um, I'd say around July, August of 2019, I stopped shooting. Um, I'm actually on the Emmy producers committee as well for my work on the therapist. So I was going to a lot of like FYC events for the Emmys throughout the summer and just meeting like everyone from from that scene and getting really inspired by them and just sat down and edited the whole film myself every day for like three weeks straight. Wow. That's got a, that's pretty lonely. Those are, that's a pretty long session by yourself. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was like a little rushed, but, um, we, you know, it, when you back schedule it, you're going right up to that deadline day. So we were doing color and sound and final delivery, like in the last few days before that deadline. How do you approach color? for a set for a documentary because a lot of what you're shooting is just straight up verte. How do, how do you approach that? I actually use the same camera throughout the film, the Sony FS seven. Um, and my go-to lens on that's like the Canon 16 to 35. And then I'll have the 70 to 200 millimeter if they're about to go live and I need to really push in. So I had the benefit of using that Sony color space throughout it. And then we rented them in New York as well when we did Caramanica and um, from the beginning, even though I didn't know I was going to be doing a film, I had been shooting in 2K anyway, which really helped us in the end. But um, yeah, I think it would have been tricky. Like, you know, I helped with the little peep film where they're kind of pulling stuff from archival and trying to find the right color space. It was a little e easier because from the jump, I had been shooting on S-Log3 on the FS7, and that was the color space we had throughout the whole film. So 
Um, Braxton's good friends with our buddy Quinn Alvarez at Apache Color in Santa Monica. And he colors a lot of my music videos as well. And he's done work for Travis Scott and, and big commercials and big film work. And we went in and had a bunch of great sessions with him in Apache where he laid out what he wanted the look and feel to be. And that's kind of crunchier, high contrast, boosting the colors of the tattoos, boosting the colors in the air, in the hair. And a lot of it, I, a lot of it, what you see, the Verite is 16 to 35 lens. So I'm actually pushing in on the 2K frame to kind of frame out pump or some of the other, some of the other artists, but uh, Quinn did magic on the Verite stuff just to make it feel like grimy and gritty. Uh, I think, you know, it would have looked great on the big screen. A lot, when we were working at that time, we were thinking about the theatrical experience with it, whether it was the music supervision, the music mixing or the color correction. We always had the big format in mind. Maybe I would have approached it differently if I had known it wasn't really going to be shown in theaters, but um at, you know, it came out really good. He made a really, we love like the films of Harmony Corinne and just like dirty or grimy stuff. And he did a good job of kind of punching up the contrast and making it feel gritty and grimy, less polished. So I think what might be unique about your, your film in particular is whenever you're shooting with the kids and the stars and the, of the, the doc itself, they're not, they're not um, scared of the camera, let's say, you know what I mean? They're very, a lot of it is about their personality and their presentation, right? So did you ever have any times where you, were you approaching it in any way to get them in an authentic place or were you just kind of coming in and just being a fly on the wall and trying to just stay out of the way? In Maddox's case, I met him when he was 12 and um, I'm actually friends with him. I know their families. I know their, their managers. I know them inside and out. So access is very hard with these kids. Um, Bergoli is very private, obviously, because she's all over TMZ and the paparazzi and peep was very private at that time. Cause he was starting to get huge and X because of the media just through and through just trashing him in every publication, didn't do any interviews ever. And um, that's why there's no X interview in it. But uh, Diego was more open. Little Zan is like, I might get backlash for saying this, but he's kind of a genius in the sense that he wants to show his struggles and his stories to help other young kids who are, who are dealing with pill addiction. So he was very open to like, show me the pills and talk about press fentanyl and talk about the dangers of fentanyl and talking about doing fentanyl. And like, this just the reality of his life, but he uses those stories to help show kids that like there's others like him and it's going to be okay. And, um, so yeah, I think we struggled for access for a long time and it's a mixture of catching them on a sober enough day, if you can believe it, where they're actually going to be able to string sentences together and then catching them when they're in the right mood to do interviews. These are kids who get hated on social media almost every day and hated by adult critics, whether it's like New York magazine and vulture pitchfork or what have you, they're going to get a lot of negative attention and that wears on a young person's mind. They're like, why would I do an interview? Why do I want to be in a documentary? But, um, smoke perp, for instance, he wanted to talk. That was, we got him right after Coachella. He had just done the main stage of Coachella as Gucci gang with pump and Gucci man and flew back to LA on a helicopter and just pulled right up on me to get it done. So you had kind of a go-to 
um, crew that were going to be on call. And as soon as we got the word that they were ready to go, set up the two angles, set up the lighting, get them all going. A lot of it, um, the pump stuff in the trailer and little peeps kind of verite moments are at the day and night music festival from 2017 backstage there. Um, I was shooting a lot of content and 2017 is kind of the birth year of that SoundCloud rap scene where they were just starting to get big, but not getting a lot of mainstream coverage. So there's even more from that day that I have with like Post Malone and Uzi Vert and all these stars. I mean, Post Malone, for instance, was kind of on the level of those kids, maybe a, a little bigger, but you know, now he's one of the biggest artists of all time by the numbers and just shows the growth. So it was kind of timing mixed with me being friends with them and them trusting me and knowing I wasn't going to like do a hit piece or anything like that. How do you decide in the edit? Like, how do you edit yourself with what you want to use? Like, for instance, I mean, these are, these are kids like taking pills, you know what I mean? In the back of the car, they're talking about, you know, a lot of really, really intense stuff. How do you, where is your line and when do you use that versus not? And how do you make that decision? These are, it's like a very serious topic that I take very seriously and um, try to approach it with maturity and, and seriousness and not undermine what these kids are trying to do. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff that could be put in to make them look like jokes or being like, you need Jesus or you need rehab or you need your parents. Where were the parents? We heard that a lot with the peep one. Um, and uh it's just finding the fine line of kind of pushing the same themes that they're talking about in their music. So X and his music is talking about kids that are super depressed. And he did a lot of time in jail as a young man and really wanted to be a mentor to kids and have people look up to him. And that's not the light that every other person in media shows him in. Obviously, he's got a slew of criminal charges that are super violent and super insane. And that's usually the light that's placed on him. So while that is interesting and, and more along the lines of what a mainstream narrative would look like right now amongst kind of like a cancel culture vibe or whatever, I was more interested in showing the themes that he wanted to show, like what was X really trying to say to his fans. And, um, you know, for... Danielle Bergoli, for instance, I don't know if there's ever been like a serious look at what she was able to accomplish. Like she has her Snapchat reality show. That's just her yelling at her mom all the time. And then the Dr. Phil stuff and then her music while super successful is obviously critiqued very heavily and um, kind of passed off on. But, you know, I approached that with how did this 14 year old become a millionaire? Like I'm not a millionaire. I'm 30 years old. Like how are these teenagers getting these millions of dollars and really wanted to dissect the work ethic and the mind state and the genius that goes into trying to get to that level. And when I approach them with that seriousness, they approach me with seriousness and they say things in my interviews that they would never tell anyone else. So when I'm in the edit, I was trying to find the right line between shock value and something like an adult could stomach. I didn't want to make it like all shock value, but um, a lot of people watch this film and watch 
early cuts and thought that it was even too dark. They were like, lighten it up a little bit, show them in the studio, making platinum records and like buying the cars and buying their mom's houses, like lighten it up. It doesn't have to all be dark. So this was going to be like an explainer for adults who had no idea what their teenage kids were listening to. They're like, hear Juice World. They're like, hear the music in the background. Be like, what are you listening to? This is going to be like my explainer to the, to the parents. So how did you go about securing like, there's lots of licensed like news footage. There's music in here. There's news clips uh, using light of people what kind of did you have to do any rights and permissions work with that yeah that was the biggest the biggest haul was trying to do the rights and permissions there's a lot of stuff that hit the uh cutting room floor because of the rights and permissions um there's a kevin hart vma clip where he if you remember the year little xan and little pump went to the vmas and kevin hart calls them out in his opening monologue he's like this is why your cousin's getting face tats. And then they like zoom on little pump who's sitting there with Desto dub and they're like laughing and Zans, there were no Osiris. It's like an amazing clip that just showed like SoundCloud rap busting into the mainstream, you know, I tried very hard with MTV to get that clip and it didn't work out in the end. There's also little Zan on TRL with, um, um, a supermodel, uh, Tyra Banks, she's teaching him how to smize. And it's like a super awkward, if you remember Tyra Banks smize, it's like smiling with your eyes. There's this super awkward interaction with Zan and her that like I had in the movie and it played really well, but we just lost that because we couldn't clear it. A lot of what you see, we had really expert archivalists um, from who had worked in many other music films who we kind of selected with our production partners and they kind of told us they did a reading on what would be possible for the budget, what wouldn't be possible for the budget. And um, from there, I utilized a lot of Pond5, a lot of Getty, um, a lot of the news clipping services, like for the X getting shot, there was some private people who were there covering it, who just sell it to news clipping services. But we spent tens of thousands of dollars on their archival Um because I knew it, the, the movie needed that. It couldn't just be right along with all the kids. You have to show the scale of their impact. You have to show what they're, what they're saying. And um, yeah, it sucked that we had to lose a lot of archival that's just unclearable, but that's the name of the game when you're doing a documentary. When you're uh, assembling like a piece, how do you start breaking down, okay, this story is going to be in this part, this act, we're going to go to this act, and then they were going to pay off in the end with this. Like, is that just something you're keeping in mind the whole time? Or is it kind of just assembling in the edit itself? I kind of did it artist by artist. So each artist comes with its own theme. I think Diego and Peep, I'm kind of talking about drug addiction and opioid abuse. X, I'm kind of talking about media outrage, how he related with his fans and also gun violence. So it is kind of in chapters. I kind of gave each artist their own 15, 20 minute section, which, you know, I could have, like I said, I could have probably made 90 minutes on each artist, but each artist gets their 20 minute section. And that's kind of how I formatted it. I think it ended up being bad baby first because it kind of enables uh, how a star like that can come in American culture today through like media attention and the Dr. Phil stuff. Then it gets into X, which is just great cinema. It's just like a compelling story and such a tragic ending. And then compounded with the peep death and our time with peep in there, it kind of, then people are like getting really upset and worked up by minute 40. They're like, fuck, all these kids are dying. Like, how are we going to stop this? And I, I got that reaction from a lot of people who watched it just like panicked and 
what have you. And then we kind of rounded out with Smoke Perp's interview, which is a little slower and him talking about how he got sober and how he's giving up kind of the drug life and calming down a little bit. So that's how I approached it. I, I, I didn't ha- I didn't want it to be formed by theme and then mix all the artists in with that theme. I wanted to take it like artist by artist. So I wanted to leave people with a feeling instead of any closure, like the feeling of dread about the opioid epidemic or the feeling of sadness that all these kids lost their lives so soon. And or the feeling of inspiration for young rappers who are in Florida with a shitty mic being like, Oh, I can make it like these guys. I'm the next American rap star. And um, the ending is definitely what I struggled with the most. We, we played around with a bunch of different endings that went kind of back to Zan Frank or I like that too, that like using a device like Zan Frank who like kind of symbolizes how crazy all these kids are and show them in the beginning. Then you don't see them the whole film and then bring them back at the end. So what's the plan now? Because obviously South by how is that going to affect the future of what you're going to do with the film? And what are your plans with it now that, you know, South by, you know, went down with COVID? Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, look, I was super bummed about that. I think, uh, there's obviously bigger problems in the world to be concerned about than the cancellation of film festival. But, um, for me personally, we had put a lot of time into tailoring that film for that audience and tailoring it to that theater specifically. And I, you know, I've been so many years, I kind of knew what it would take to make a splash there. We were going to bring some of the kids out, maybe stay through the music weekend, do a whole thing. It was going to be really great. And it was something we were looking forward to and had kind of shaped the whole thing around. We also got into CPH docs in Copenhagen, which is one of my favorites. And then I was going to go out there and do a few Q and A's there. I was super bummed, but there's bigger things in the world to be concerned about right now, but how it affects the future of the film. I mean, I think everyone would agree. It was like completely devastating to have every film festival canceled this year for indie filmmakers. I think that it just, what those festivals provide is the exhibition, the audience reaction, the press that you can get the PR run you can do around it. And all attention was shifted away from any of that. And rightfully so, like these films will come out eventually and people can enjoy them, but you know, and then Amazon partnered with South by, which was a great partnership to, to do the 10 day window above the paywall to exhibit some of the films. They had approached me for that. And I kind of decided that I wanted this to be more um, like cult and like couture and not, above a paywall really that's an interesting question of why you know because we've spoken to another film that chose not to do it as well um and i think that 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 was an interesting move by amazon that seems good to people that don't make films you know because if you if you're basically ruining your opportunity for any other form of lucrative distribution if you do that that's the feedback i heard is that distributors didn't want people to do that and that's understandably because Look, from the filmmaker's perspective, I was like, oh, like huge global audience. They can see it for free on every Roku, Apple TV device. You know, what else could you ask for? That's great. And the problem there is that it's the 10 day window, which at, during those 10 days, I was like, oh, we should have done it. This is everywhere. TFW, no GF. Those are our boys who made that movie. Like those kind of films are really picking up steam. And then those 10 days end and you're kind of like, oh, wait, like maybe it's for the best. It's, it's the problem with that 10 day window of Amazon had been like, oh, we're going to host these all on the platform. I would have been like, all right, well, that's awesome. But those 10 days end and then you're like, well, was my film only worth those 10 days? And then, like you just said, I heard feedback from distributors saying 
if you guys opt into, into that, kind of makes your film less valuable because everyone's seen it or leaked it, which I think might have happened with a few. But um, you're, are you planning to are you you're planning to still find distribution, trying to go to subscription services or? You know, we have great sales team. I think that it's not a secret, but Submarine is repping the film, you know, off their Oscar win with American Factory and they have Crip Camp this year and they're, they're just the best. I mean, if you know those guys, but Matt and Josh Braun, they're beasts on the documentary side. Now trying to put together a smart plan for streaming, like what's that going to look like? Will it be good or should we just wait? The problem with the movie, people feel like it like captured a zeitgeist that was from like two years ago, but I really view it now as kind of like a document of that moment. How did you do audio? Just because there's lots of group scenes, you know, and there things are just happening that doesn't feel like you can control at all, but you're needing that for some form of interview. Were you trying to be like, hey, yo, let's find a quiet spot or like what? How did you approach that? Yeah, you're never going to be able to find the quiet spot with those kids because they're they're so famous everyone wants to be around them and then they never want to put on a lav mic just from the like i'm wearing a wire what are you guys the feds like that's still like a thing so obviously i would have liked to lav everyone in the verite scenes wasn't an option so shout out my sound guy josh wright out in la he's been doing like documentary sound for like 15 years he's really the best and um he, you just don't, he like works with, we've known each other a long time. He just like works with me synergy wise where like he'll get in the right position no matter what's going to happen and try to get the boom. It's all boom. So try to get the boom as close as he can. So the little pump scene in the trailer, you had the pounding bass from the music festival right outside that trailer. You had kids talking all over the place while I was filming. And then you were in a trailer too with 10 people. So it was super tight. So Josh was right behind me kind of, he didn't have enough room to do the standard boom move. So he's kind of just like pointing that boom in that direction and really trying to monitor as carefully as he can. And you know, if you were to get a behind the scenes of that one shot, there's like 10 people standing right behind me, but that's where that 16 to 35 millimeter lens really comes in handy. I can get right in pump's face. I was probably like three feet away from, him go all the way out and we have like salvageable scene um just like a two-man crew right like most of the time just you and the sound guy yeah my co-producer tyler benz who given that braxton wasn't going to be here i almost wish we had got him but it's a little early for him right now but uh he uh he's there with me um we do everything together we run a production company together called all the smoke and he um knows all the guys as well and, and just having both of us helps so it's not just me i mean i'm I'm behind camera he you actually catch in the bad baby smoke perp where there's a mirror behind them mm-hmm. and they're like south florida bitch you see me and tyler in the mirror <laughs> standing there which is kind of like a little yeah, easter I egg saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like that scene super tough to salvage the sound the x live scene where he's giving that speech i mean that's like timeless footage for his fans but obviously i'm right net by the subwoofer and that's clipping the whole time so we took fan iPhone footage and try to piece salvageable audio from different fan footage in the crowd. Ditto with little pump running out and doing boss at day and night. The first time you see him rocking that big crowd, he runs out. That was super. We took footage from different angles to try to uh, salvage the audio there. Fortunately, we had um, Ben Wilkins, the Oscar winning sound mixer of whiplash uh who is friends with braxton i'd worked on many projects with braxton 
come in and do my re-recording and sound mix for eight channel uh, theater. And he's a maverick. I mean, he, I don't know if you thought the movie sounded good, but I guarantee you it would have sounded sick in theaters because he spent a lot of time making sure those bass kicked a lot. You know, it's a music film. So we wanted the music to resonate and it to be hard hitting and um, the, the voices to be hard hitting too. And he spent a lot of time doing that. Shout out Ben Wilkins. What are you up to now? You're just kind of waiting and dealing with distribution of this. You you're trying to decide where to go with it. What are you up to next? COVID hit, but we figured out ways to direct music videos during it. I, I did a, three new videos for smoke perp one featuring little pump uh tons of rap videos i've signed on for a few new, new feature documentaries and then just quarantine man just like you know writing music and working on these films yeah yeah dude. all right so when when it is available where can people find the information about that to follow your instagram or your website yeah definitely follow my instagram at justin staple um, all the smoke pictures at all the smoke pictures. Go watch the little Pete movie. Everybody's everything out on Netflix, out anywhere documentaries are, are seen. You'll see my name in the credits there. Some of my footage is in that. Shout out Ramez Cillian who directed that film. And then wait for American Rap Star. I think the fans are ready. I mean, fans of X and Bad Baby and Diego and Pump are really ready for that film to come out. And uh, we'll make sure that we do it justice and bring it to the biggest home. What really struck me was he did exactly what he had access to, you know, like he started the film by interviewing the artists and having access to the artists because that's something he had, which was kind of exactly backwards of what I thought had happened just from watching the movie. The connection and the access is often the hard part, especially about documentary, right? Right. And he shot for a couple of years. Also, man, what a fast post timeline. Like, I mean, starting like a month of post, that's maybe two months of post max. That's that's a lot. The tricky thing with docs is trying to film so much uh, because you don't want to miss a moment. But then also knowing that you're going to have to sift through all of that and make that edit. Right. Right. I mean, docs, docs are about content. They're they're all about the subject matter, the content and the the viewpoint, the lens, the angle. You know, it's, it's kind of like journalism. Right. But, you know, whereas a narrative piece is not necessarily like that, you wouldn't you wouldn't really approach shooting a narrative piece. At least I wouldn't with a camera boom and maybe one producer standing behind you. But that's so typical in doc. My big takeaway, um, my big takeaway and something I thought was very interesting was about the audio yeah. because we know from filming docs, it's extremely hard a to find a quiet place um, and b just to get people mic'd up without breaking the moment. You know, you, you all more characters come in. You want to get these people involved too. And now you have to put a lav mic on them and now it kind of kills the moment. Um, and, but you, we always want that to have that, you know, to have both a, a boom and a love so that you have options with your audio because you also aren't controlling. There's often background music. There's cars driving mm -hmm. by. There's people. Um, but he did it all with boom. Um, I mean, that's and a shotgun. Yeah. And the shotgun on his camera. I mean, that's the balance, right? Is like because every person you put in there, every light you put in the thing, every every body you get in there that is foreign. It's like an invasion of the privacy. So sometimes it sacrifices the content. So having just a simple streamlined man and an audio guy, sometimes even a producer, sometimes you can get the perspective that who cares about the lighting, who cares about the audio, you got the moment, you got the honesty of it. And that's what doc allows you to do. That's what it's about. 
yeah, so that's my big takeaway is doc. You don't, you need to, I mean, pre-produce, know your subject, but it really is about genuine capture and genuinely getting the material and then structuring it and having a strong viewpoint in post. Filmmaking is a collaborative experience and so is this podcast. Follow us on Instagram at framework underscore productions for upcoming episode announcements and leave your questions in the comments for our future guests. The first 10 to comment are immediately entered to win a monthly prize. Please take a second to subscribe so you know about future episodes and leave a review. It really does help us. For more information about today's episode, visit independentfilmmakersguide.com to see visuals, diagrams, and to get links to this episode in video and article form. IFG is a community, and we want to help you in your filmmaking process. Hi, I'm Michael David, an independent filmmaker from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm reading the credits. IFG is created by Framework Productions and directed by James Allardyce. It's produced by Matt Mundy, edited by Audrey Ray McHale, and hosted by Stephen Pierce. Music is by Glassboy. Find his music on freemusicarchive.org. See and listen to all the episodes plus bonus content at independentfilmmakersguide.com. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, we just wanted to take a quick moment to talk about two personal things. First, we wanted to thank you, our listening community, and our wonderful guests. Learning so much together along the way and continuing to learn, sharing our stories, making a lot of new friends, and collaborating, which is exactly what this is all about. Which also brings me to my second point. In great part to many of these new relationships, we wanted to let you know that we've taken a lot of this advice ourselves and made our own narrative feature film, Heard, H-E-R-D, Heard, which is premiering this October on Friday the 13th in select theaters as well as on VOD. Personally, I think it's the perfect kind of scary movie to watch during our favorite scary season. So we'd love for you to celebrate with us and watch Heard. You can pre-order it on Apple TV, and of course, do the communal thing, see it in theaters. Of course, for all of this, please see our show notes, but basically, we're going to keep it all updated at herd.film. That's H-E-R-D dot F-I-L-M, herd.film as well. Thank you again, and be sure to give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to build this community and collaborate. IFG, how movies get made.